In 2021, the U.S. Treasury Department has said, and I quote, cryptocurrency already possesses a significant detection problem by facilitating illegal activity, broadly including tax evasion, end of quote. In 2021, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell has been quoted as saying with context around cryptocurrencies use increasing, and I quote, so must our attention to the appropriate regulatory and oversight framework for private sector payments innovators who are not within traditional regulatory arrangements, end of quote. Has a cryptocurrency crackdown already started? Are other countries also looking at crypto? And are government officials around the world planting the seeds for their own private central bank digital currency, CBDCs? My answers to these three questions, yes, yes, and yes. Unlike decentralized cryptocurrencies, private virtual currencies or private digital currencies as the name suggests, CBDCs, central bank digital currencies, are issued by central banks. It's a digital wallet managed and controlled by the Federal Reserve, Bank of England, European Central Bank, Bank of Canada, etc. Long gone are the nascent Wild West days of cryptocurrency trading like back in 2010-2011. Regulation has arrived and it's here. And tax officials are definitely eyeballing and are honed on cryptocurrency exchanges. But don't get me wrong, tighter cryptocurrency regulation is not necessarily all negative. In fact, greater regulation could translate into a more predictable market. Such stability could potentially pull in more institutional interests. Early adopters like MicroStrategy, Tesla, and Square that hold Bitcoin on their balance sheets could be and will be joined by other companies and financial institutions. And that will usher crypto into a mainstream narrative with every entity adding Bitcoin to their holdings. MicroStrategy Chief Executive Officer Michael Saylor has been outspoken on this subject. If both interest in and adoption of Bitcoin continues, he has a point. To access financial services, companies may find that holding Bitcoin is essential. Are you ready to know what you don't know about money? Then you're in the right place. This is Savvy Insights, a podcast on exploring prosperity, seizing opportunities, and preserving freedom, bringing you tips, tricks, tools, and extreme value. Broadcasting from our studio in Toronto, I'm your host, Baz. I want to personally welcome and thank you for joining us today. I'm really glad you're here because this podcast is designed for you. Before we dive in, remember you can reach me on Twitter at insights underscore savvy to discuss further about today's insights. Now let's begin. Blockchain, the technology Bitcoin introduced, is certainly very promising. Blockchain technology allows for any piece of data to be secured on a global distributed network of computers without the need for a single central authority. So, if a centralized hub is no longer needed, institutions like banks can definitely be uprooted. And banks are not alone. Other industries like real estate and insurance could be primed for disruption in the near future as well. But at this point, cryptocurrencies, the data that currently sits on various blockchains, are still very much a speculation. We're nowhere near widespread use of cryptocurrencies in everyday transactions, and governments around the world cannot agree on how to categorize cryptocurrencies as a currency, property, intangible asset, or something else. It's time to visit federal and national jurisdictions around the world and explore their regulatory and taxation environments, and how that may affect your cryptocurrency trading or holdings. Here's a summary of several jurisdictions and their playbook in terms of both cryptocurrency regulation and taxation. But first, the burning question for many is the best crypto-friendly jurisdictions. I cannot detail the quote-unquote best crypto-friendly jurisdiction or jurisdictions. It all comes down to your personal situation, but I can at least introduce you to variables that may help you navigate the decision process. First, if you're a US citizen, unfortunately, your cryptocurrency profits cannot completely escape Uncle Sam's grubby tax hands. 
unless you renounce your U.S. citizenship. U.S. citizens living overseas can save on taxes, on earned income, with a foreign earned income exclusion, FEIE, but not on investment income, which includes crypto profits. The one exception is Puerto Rico. If you're not a U.S. citizen, then you have many more options for crypto-friendly jurisdictions. You can opt for a country with no personal taxation, like St. Kitts and Nivis, United Arab Emirates, aka UAE, and over a dozen more countries really. Or you can also opt in with a country that has territorial taxation, where only income generated within that country from a local job or a business is taxed, like Panama, Singapore, Georgia, and nearly three dozen more countries really. Or you can opt into countries that do tax your worldwide income, but specifically choose not to tax capital gains, including cryptocurrency profits, such as Uruguay. Of course, a country's tax policy should not be your only variable when choosing residency. I'm not a tax attorney, so don't take this as tax advice. Instead, just consult a professional who's familiar with your situation and can provide tailored advice for you. According to a statement from one of the United States Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC Commissioner, Hester Pierce says, and I quote, I think we're certainly falling behind the curve, end of quote, referring to regulating cryptocurrencies. It's not that cryptos aren't regulated, of course. In fact, cryptocurrencies and blockchain-related companies face an office space-type situation where there's like eight different bosses. Okay, maybe not eight bosses at the federal level, but they do have several. You have the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, the Commodities Future Trading Commission, the CFTC, the U.S. Treasury Department, the Federal Reserve. The Biden administration has passed an executive order for several agencies to report on their strategies and standing on cryptocurrency asset classes, risks, and benefits. The executive order focuses on key areas like consumer protection, financial stability, illicit activity, U.S. competitiveness, financial inclusion, and responsible innovation like exploring a digital version of the dollar, the CDBDC. But on top of federal agencies' bingo cards, states can also enact their own rules and regulations apart from the federal government. So if cryptocurrency-related businesses have offices in multiple states, maybe they do fare worse than in an office space setup. The U.S. Congress is not helping matters either. In 2020, the Senate introduced Senate Bill 4051, the Lawful Access to Encrypted Data. LEAD Act. The LEAD Act aims to require technology companies to build backdoors into their products so governments can remotely access your data. In other words, encryption would be a thing of the past in the land of the free. And since cryptocurrency relies on data encryption, cryptocurrency would effectively become illegal under the LEAD Act. Thankfully, the bill has gone nowhere. Yet, despite all the bureaucracy and unclear jurisdictional lines, At least, the tax treatment of cryptocurrencies is clear. For the U.S. federal tax purposes, the IRS has stated that virtual currency is treated as property. Also, the U.S. Treasury requires that all cryptocurrency transactions worth $10,000 or more be reported to the Internal Revenue Services, a regulation that was announced in May 2021. As for cryptocurrency exchanges, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, FinCEN, stipulates that cryptocurrency exchanges are subject to the Bank Secrecy Act, the BSA, and must register as a money service business, MSB. This is significant because MSBs must comply with the same record-keeping and suspicious transaction reporting requirements as those dealing in fiat currencies. Finally, since the U.S. still has the world's largest financial markets, I'd be remiss to not discuss the regulatory developments on cryptocurrency derivatives and other products. 
Starting back in December 2017, Bitcoin futures have traded on the Chicago Board Options Exchange, the CBOE, and the Chicago Merchantile Exchange, the CME. In theory, Bitcoin futures were supposed to quickly lead to Bitcoin exchange traded funds, ETFs. But over the past few years, the SEC has continuously delayed a decision on a Bitcoin spot ETF allowed to be traded. As of this podcast airing, SEC Chairman Gary Gensler is still taking his time. In recent congressional testimony, Gensler has said that he wants to examine the many challenges and gaps for investor protection in the markets, referring to cryptocurrency markets. When we look at the U.S. tax implications, we can see that although the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act didn't explicitly mention cryptocurrencies, yes, not even once, it still impacted cryptocurrencies. Section 13.303 of the tax law, amended IRC Section 1031, also known as like-kind exchange, this revision means that cryptocurrency traders and speculators have an obligation to pay capital gains taxes on every single trade or transaction. Yes, even trading one cryptocurrency for another cryptocurrency. And again, those of you who are a U.S. citizen, unless you renounce your U.S. citizenship, you're forever liable for capital gains tax on your cryptocurrency profits. Your only other lifeline is Puerto Rico. Alright, so that's enough about the states. Let's explore Canada and Canada's regulatory framework. Canada's Currency Act defines legal tender as coins issued by the Royal Canadian Mint and notes issued by the Bank of Canada. So, being neither of these, the CRA, Canadian Revenue Agency, has classified cryptocurrencies as a commodity, as for the regulation of cryptocurrency exchanges. Back in 2014, in what was the world's first national law on digital currencies, companies that provide virtual currencies were categorized as money service businesses, MSBs. Under this anti-money laundering distinction, cryptocurrency exchanges must register with the Financial Transaction and Reports Analysis Center of Canada, Fintrack, Canada's Financial Intelligence Unit. Again, as MSBs, cryptocurrency exchanges must comply with the same record-keeping and suspicious transaction reporting requirements as MSBs dealing in fiat currencies. In 2019, lawmakers amended this digital currency law to expand the definition of virtual currencies to include security tokens. Security tokens are liquid, digital contracts that represent fractional ownership of an asset like real estate or a stock. Finally, in 2020, the virtual currency travel rule stipulated that virtual currency MSBs that participate in cross-border transactions follow more stringent anti-money laundering compliance. That rule was established in 2020 and took effect on June 2021. So those are the regulations. What about Canadian tax implications? As a commodity in Canada, cryptocurrencies are subject to the barter rules of the Income Tax Act. So whether using cryptocurrencies as a unit of payment or receiving crypto as a salary or a wage or trading crypto, you're mandated to report cryptocurrency profits as income and pay the appropriate tax. Also, if you transact with cryptocurrencies, goods and service taxes, GST, applies on the fair market value of the purchase of these goods and services. A strategy Canadians may consider are using vehicles that are tax-sheltered, such as a tax-free savings account, or a tax-mitigating event, such as an RRSP or an RESP for their children, by opening up a self-directed account, investing in a Bitcoin ETF, and holding it for the long term. This will mitigate the amount of taxes you would have to pay as crypto grows. Alright, so that was Canada, but what about the Commonwealth Queen, the United Kingdom and its regulatory framework? In 2019, the UK Jurisdiction Task Force released a paper that stated cryptocurrency is classified as property. 
That decision was upheld by UK high courts, which ruled that under UK common law, cryptocurrency is indeed recognized as property. Also, the UK regulators, the Financial Conduct Authority, FCA, gave crypto asset-related businesses, including cryptocurrency exchanges, a deadline as of July 9, 2021, later moved to March 31st, 2022, coming up, to register or cease trading by March 31st, 2022. Now with those UK regulations in place, what about UK subject tax implications? Cryptocurrency being property, transactions that result in a profit are subject to capital gains tax, which can be up to 20% for high income earners. The exception is the rare case of those individuals deemed a professional crypto trader. In this instance, cryptocurrency profits fall under regular income tax rules. Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, HMRC, deems someone as a professional cryptocurrency trader whose primary activity and source of income is the buying and selling of cryptocurrency, basically running a one-person financial trading operation. Also, importantly, UK tax authorities consider any disposable fiat that's locked in a profit as a capital gain. So whether you sell cryptocurrencies for pounds or other fiat currencies or exchange one crypto for another crypto, that's recordable and you're liable for capital gains tax. And I don't want to get too lost into the EU and several countries, so we'll just go with their mama bear, Germany, and its regulatory and tax framework. The German Federal Financial Supervisor Authority, BaFin, classifies cryptocurrencies as units of account. Further, for tax purposes, BZST, which is the German Federal Tax Center Office, treats cryptocurrencies as private money. Germany is a member of the European Union, EU. So since cryptocurrency exchanges offer financial services, they are subject to both the German Banking Act and EU, Know Your Client, aka KYC regulations, and various other anti-money laundering, anti-terrorist financing regulations. So when we're looking at tax implications for Germans, in 2021, the European Court of Justice ruled that Bitcoin is not property but a currency. As such, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are not subject to value-added tax, the VAT, when traded. And Germany, far from being a tax haven, has carved out a niche as a cryptocurrency tax haven. If you hold cryptocurrency for less than one year, Profits up to 600 euros per calendar year are tax-free. But if you buy cryptocurrency and after one year exchange it for euros, goods or services, you will not incur any taxes, for now at least. Looking ahead, EU bureaucrats are pushing for a unified cryptocurrency treatment along the member states. So there's a chance that German's 600 euro tax exemption on short-term trade and tax-free status on holdings greater than one year will be overturned by Brussels. Alright, so now let's take a gander at Portugal and its regulatory framework. Cryptocurrencies are not considered legal tender in Portugal. But according to the Portuguese Tax and Customs Authority, PTA, Portugal treats cryptocurrencies as a form of currency, which means, when it comes to Portuguese tax implications, profits on cryptocurrencies are not a taxable event. In 2016, the PTA clarified this tax decision and carved out two exceptions. If you're, one, dealing in cryptocurrencies as a professional or business activity, then you are subject to regular Portuguese income tax rates, ranging from 14.5% to 48%. And if you're, two, Exchanging cryptocurrencies for goods or services, then an invoice should be issued and service should be taxed. But as an individual cryptocurrency holder or trader, you'll be tax-free. Portugal does not levy VAT charges on cryptocurrency transactions. So for now, Portugal is a very favorable environment for cryptocurrency traders and holders. 
But looking ahead, just like Germany, there's no guarantee that Portugal can forever dodge the eye of Sauron in Brussels. That means Portugal's tax rules could change dramatically in the future. I cannot calculate the likelihood of a unified EU cryptocurrency tax regime taking hold. Maybe it will be in place in a few years. Or maybe forward-thinking countries like Portugal will buck the EU and keep their favorable cryptocurrency environment in place. Having shared many of these insights with you for more popular countries, one country I'm really excited to share with you is the regulatory framework and taxation for Malta. Malta classifies distributed ledger technology, DLT, assets as either coins or tokens. Coins are cryptocurrencies that are designed solely as a means of payment, a medium of exchange or a store of value. But although cryptocurrencies fall under the coins categories and meet all the traditional definitions of money, according to Malta, the country does not consider them as legal tender. Tokens are further subdivided into two categories, financial tokens or utility tokens. As I mentioned earlier when I brought up Canadian jurisdiction, financial tokens, also known as securities, are assets or asset-backed tokens, are liquid digital contracts that represent fractional ownership of an asset like real estate or a stock. Utility tokens, on the other hand, are virtual tokens whose value is restricted to the acquisition of goods or services solely on a certain decentralized application or DAP. The MFSA, Malta's Financial Service Authority, and MDIA, Malta Digital Innovation Authority, are the regulatory authorities for cryptocurrency-related businesses, including exchanges. To be licensed, exchanges must meet capital adequacy and liquidity requirements, dependent on the company's scope of operations, that is, abide by anti-money laundering regulations, and show proof of the necessary technical resources and knowledge, amongst other requirements. So when looking at Maltese tax implications, if cryptocurrency is transferred during an exchange, a business, or a trade, profits from such transactions would be taxed at the standard Maltese corporate income tax rate of 35%. Also, profits on tokens, whether financial or utility, are treated as income and face the individual progressive Maltese income tax, which is also up to 35% if you're professional. But cryptocurrency transactions are treated the same way as transactions involving fiat or conventional currency, and therefore fall out of the scope of the Maltese income tax policy. That means cryptocurrency profits are not subject to taxes. No income tax, no capital gains tax. Therefore, you won't face VAT at cryptocurrency exchanges, creating a very favorable environment for cryptocurrency traders and holders. And Malta is another EU country, so the island's 0% tax regime is especially great for individual cryptocurrency enthusiasts for the moment. Just don't completely discount Brussels intervention sometime in the future. All right, let's dive deeper into CBDCs, the ultimate cryptocurrency regulation and totalitarian control. Although private currencies operate under various levels of regulation, there's one category of encrypted cryptocurrency assets that would be fully regulated. That strategy is for central banks to create their own version of the blockchain that uses digital dollars, euros, pounds, yuan, yen, etc. We're talking about central bank digital currencies, CBDCs. For example, digital dollar, aka digidollar, might be equivalent to a US dollar. So $1 in physical cash equals $1 in your bank account equals one digidollar. Digidollars would be legal tender and accepted everywhere in that country, Amazon, Walmart, etc. But without any of the wild gyrations and fluctuations that we see in the price of Bitcoin. And just like Bitcoin, every transaction can be tracked. But this time it's different. 
CBDCs can be controlled and turned on or off from the central bank's controlled blockchain server farms. This is not a conspiracy theory or science fiction. Last year, the Bahamas launched its SAND dollar, which is backed one-to-one to the Bohemian dollar, BSD. And the BSD is pegged to the USD. And the Bahamas is not alone. Over in Europe, the initial CBDC steps are already in motion. European Central Bank, ECB, officials have remarked that the Eurozone might be prepared for a digital euro in the future. Officials cite that the need is to give easy, widespread access to safe central bank-issued money. Also, for countries suffering under U.S. sanctions, CBDCs could be an end around the weaponization of the U.S. dollar and U.S. sanctions. Russia is a prime example. Russia's central bank released a paper on the digital ruby. Russia's central bank governor had expected to have a prototype ready by the end of 2021, and then a pilot program could start by the beginning of this year in 2022. Since Russia invaded Ukraine recently, the coverage of the Slavic War has kept the Russian government ideas and ideals quiet about the CBDC program. And for other countries, CBDCs are not a path around power, but a path to a mass power. If successful, China's digital yuan, known as ECNY, which to date has been awarded to citizens in three lotteries, could take away market share from the US dollar. It's not inconceivable that the US dollar weakens and the digital yuan could eventually emerge as a competing global reserve currency. Seeing how Saudi Arabia is now considering to accept the Chinese yuan for oil instead of just the US dollar. Whatever the government and central bank's rationale for introducing a CBDC, there would clearly be an impact on the demand for privacy cryptocurrencies. Some privacy cryptocurrency users would still hold these assets, so they wouldn't all go to zero. There's no need to obsess about the complete CBDC takeover. It's not happening tomorrow, and it's probably not going to happen next year or the year after. Instead, it's far more effective to spend your time and energy focusing on how to remain in compliance with your current regulatory and tax environment. Alright, changing notes. From a technological perspective, Bitcoin is exiting the digital dark ages. Bitcoin's base layer software limits transactions per second to just a handful, compared to Visa and MasterCard's tens of thousands of transactions per second. And there are already emerging technologies in the crypto sector to compete at that level. But Bitcoin's level 2 layer, known as Lightning Network, has already recorded to have up to 40 million transactions per second. Bitcoin's Lightning Network can currently perform over a thousand times as many transactions as Visa, as MasterCard, as PayPal, Ethereum, and Ripple can. It's hard to imagine what was once the least effective technology, Bitcoin settlement base layer in the crypto sector, has continued to develop and is now leading in transactions per second on the second layer of Bitcoin's Lightning Network. Bitcoin remains and continues to be the most valuable amongst the 18,000 cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin's base settlement layer reminds me of what happened in the early 1990s, when the internet was just emerging, the World Wide Web didn't really exist yet. Instead, I read about how people used a text and menu-based version of the web called Gopher. Then, a bunch of engineers perfected Hypertext Transfer Protocol, HTTP, and the World Wide Web as we know it today was born. HTTP provided a superior user experience, so Gopher soon disappeared. The same thing could happen in crypto. It's possible that as a distributed ledger technology, DLT continued to develop, almost all of today's tokens and cryptocurrencies could disappear. But the change won't occur overnight. 
Over the next few years, however, it's quite possible that inferior pointless coins and tokens could easily be replaced by superior technology. Certainly, there will continue to be demand for a handful of specific tokens or coins that have real utility. But again, aside from those select few, it's possible that today's most popular cryptocurrencies and tokens might follow in the footsteps of Gopher. To me, it feels like today, in this day and age, irrationality seems to be the default setting for the common populace. You first need to adopt the right mindset and act accordingly. For your cryptocurrency, that means viewing them as what they are. A. A speculation. B. Still nascent asset that despite the visions of ideologues probably won't completely displace government fiat currencies. C. It's an asset in most cases that will incur taxations when you record profits. All that said, I'm not here to discourage or encourage ownership of cryptocurrencies, but I am here to encourage rationality. Once you've decided to buy cryptocurrencies, you should take some sensible steps to remain 100% compliant in your jurisdiction. And if you'd like, explore opportunities to legitimately eliminate your future tax liabilities. Here are some methods that can help you with achieving your goals. 1. Use applications to make tax reporting easier. If you're an active cryptocurrency trader, and not just an investor, or even someone who occasionally takes profits, the time to record your trades is when they take place. Not all at once, and especially not two days before taxes are due. Fortunately, there are several applications that can help you document your activities and make it much easier for tax season. But be sure an application that can integrate with your cryptocurrency exchange, so you'll have the data readily available for tax purposes. You can then provide the relevant tax documents to your accountant, or if you file them on your own, you can import these forms into your preferred tax software. Number two, move or at least consider a move to a greener cryptocurrency pasture. If you're sitting on a sizable cryptocurrency gains, or you're an innovator in a cryptocurrency or blockchain space, a move to a more favorable jurisdiction might be in order. El Salvador, which isn't too far from many, might be a new cryptocurrency hub. A surprise announcement took place in Miami's uh, Bitcoin 2021 conference last year. Speaking via video conference, El Salvador President Nayib Bukele remarked, and I quote, Next week, I will send to Congress a bill that will make Bitcoin a legal tender, end quote. This was last year. It's definitely in play right now. El Salvador's Secretary of Commerce and Investment later clarified that the U.S. dollar would remain as a legal tender under the new law. El Salvador did pass the bill and a new law has gone into effect late 2021. As a legal tender, Bitcoin holders who move to El Salvador will face no capital gains tax. And further, El Salvador will offer these individuals immediate permanent residency. I gotta tell you, I admire Bukele's initiative. But frankly, Bukele and El Salvador will face a long uphill climb to transform the country into a crypto nirvana. I'm sitting tight and waiting to see how El Salvador's situation unfolds and see which other countries will follow their lead. For now, there are countries and territories better suited for cryptocurrency holders and traders mentioned earlier, you know, Portugal, Malta, Puerto Rico. Now, Portugal isn't just a favorable tax environment for crypto, but also offers other benefits. If you ever consider getting another residency, well, let's get into that a little bit. Gaining residency abroad can prove tricky. But in Portugal, the D7 visa is a simple process and is easily obtainable. Plus, there's no investment required. Another path to Portuguese residency is through its Golden Visa program. You'll want to take note that the program's upcoming changes do take effect this year in 2022. Either way, the D7 or the Golden Visa route, as a new resident of Portugal, you can enjoy the country's non-habitual tax residency program. You must apply for it separately, though. 
most incomes outside of Portugal can be tax-free for the first 10 years of residency. And on top of that, no VAT on cryptocurrency transactions and no capital gains on your cryptocurrency profits. Even though that's pretty cool, I like to consider Malta the blockchain island. Over the past few years, Malta has definitely transformed into a top-tier cryptocurrency destination for both cryptocurrency companies and traders. Remember, cryptocurrency profits are not subject to either income tax nor capital gains. The island is working hard to become a top crypto hub. But if you want a ticket to Blockchain Island, aka Malta, you'll need to pay up. Option number one in Malta's Golden Visa program, which grants permanent residency, you'll have the option to either rent a local property for at least five years or purchase the property right away. If you rent, then including the various fees, you'll pay a non-refundable 98,000 euros. Then you must commit at least another 60,000 euros in rental money if you rent in the more popular regions in Malta. That number goes down to 50,000 euros if you rent in the least popular regions in southern Malta or Guzu. If you buy, the various government fees decreases to 68,000 euros, but you must spend at least 300,000 euros if you buy in southern Malta or in Guzu, or 350,000 euros elsewhere in Malta. Also, in any case, there's a mandatory 2,000 euro donation to a local charity. So at a minimum, your outlay is at least 150,000 euros if you rent and 370,000 euros if you buy. After five years, you're eligible for citizenship. If you want to go for immediate citizenship in Malta, the other option is Malta's Citizenship by Investment Program. Malta's CBI requires a minimum capital layoff of 1.3 million euros. You'll secure Maltese residency first, Then, within 12 months or 36 months of maintaining Maltese residency, you'll obtain citizenship and a passport for a visa-free travel to 158 countries. And for the neighbors down south in the U.S., U.S. citizens, if you move to Portugal or Malta, unfortunately, you'll still owe U.S. capital gains tax on your cryptocurrency profits. So for many Statesians, the solution that probably makes the most sense is Puerto Rico. Hedge fund managers are coming for the tax incentives as are business owners and newly minted permanent C-19 remote workers. And the recent cryptocurrency price spikes has drawn another wave of cryptocurrency traders and holders to the island. If you're bullish on cryptocurrencies in the long run and are interested in maximizing your tax savings, consider packing your bags, is what I'm saying. What was formerly known as Act 22, the Individual Investor Act, is now part of Chapter 2 of Puerto Rico's Incentives Code, also known as Act 60. Traders and investors, including cryptocurrency traders and speculators, can become a bona fide Puerto Rican resident and owe 0% capital gains on taxes on future cryptocurrency profits. And once you officially secure the Axis status, any future profits will be tax-free. To be clear, you still owe capital gains tax on your crypto from the time you bought until the time you become a bona fide Puerto Rican resident. The only way out of this tax liability is to spend 10 years as a bona fide resident in Puerto Rico. In this case, your pre-move gains are taxed at a flat rate of 5%. As always, you should weigh the cost against future benefits. You'll incur annual costs of $15,000 to maintain your tax-free status. Over 10 years, that's $150,000 in maintenance fees, essentially. Also, there's the risk that Puerto Rico becomes a state and derails your long-term saving strategy. That is not an overwhelming possibility in my opinion, but it's a risk nonetheless. Some governments, including Canadian but namely outspoken US officials, clearly don't miss an opportunity to besmirch cryptocurrencies. 
So if their words are any indication, the naming and shaming, punishing of crypto traders will continue. Until tax compliance improves, that is. Scratch that. The besmirching will still likely to continue anyways. Governments are itching to discover crypto traders that are not compliant, not paying taxes, and then making an example out of them. So do yourself a favor and stay in compliance and pay 100% of the taxes you owe for your jurisdiction. It's that simple. Whatever reporting method you choose to stay compliant with your taxes that makes sense and works for you, just be sure to pay what is owed. And if you're so inclined, look for a greener cryptocurrency pasture. Currently, Portugal, Malta, Puerto Rico are three great options that might make sense for you. UAE is up and coming. Also, other countries and other territories on the leading edge of cryptocurrencies include, you know, El Salvador. Again, you might want to wait and see what other countries are doing. If small developing countries like El Salvador can successfully attract cryptocurrency traders and holders, then a trend might soon be set in motion. Other early adopting countries and those which are actually safe havens uh, may also not be too far behind, so your options could expand in the near coming years. In the meantime, I'll continue to stay on top of the exciting developments and opportunities in the cryptocurrency world. If you've enjoyed this week's insight, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new insight is shared. If you have any questions, feel free to reach me in Twitter at insights underscore savvy. And if you haven't yet, I would immensely appreciate it if you took a moment to rate and review this podcast with a five-star review and share it with your friends if you so feel inclined, that is. Thank you so much for listening once again, and I hope you're leaving with some great insights that can help you in building yourself up to even greater heights. Until next time, Carpe Diem, seize the moment. Let's get savvier. Bye-bye. Neither this podcast nor any content presented by Savvy Insights are intended to provide personal tax or financial advice. This information is intended to be used and must be used for information purposes only. Savvy Insights are not your investment nor tax advisors, and this should not be considered tax advice. It's very important to do your own analysis before making any investment or employing any tax strategy. You should consider your circumstances and speak with professional advisors before making any investments. The information contained in this insight is based on savvy insight researchers, opinions, as well as representations made by company management. I believe the information presented in this insight to be true and accurate at the time of publication, but do not guarantee the accuracy of every statement, nor guarantee the information will not change in the future. It is important that you independently research any information that you wish to rely upon, whether to make an investment or tax decision or otherwise. No content at SavvyInsightPodcast.com's website or related sites, nor any content in material marketing, emails, reports, or related content constitutes nor should be understood as constituting a recommendation to enter into any securities transactions or to engage in any of the investment strategies mentioned in this content, nor an offer of securities. Savvy Insight employees, officers, and directors may participate in any investment described in this content when legally permissible and to do so at the same investment terms as subscribers. Savvy Insight employees, officers, or directors receive no financial compensation from entities who are mentioned in this podcast.